Welcome to the Sporting Ones uh, Premier League podcast, third of the season review. And uh, unfortunately, Hados um, isn't with me uh, for these Premier League ones uh, right at this point in time as he's focusing on other things. And uh, I've changed it from more of a fantasy Premier League to a generalised uh, Premier League um podcast with a little bit of fantasy uh, towards the end of the episode. So if you are looking for that fantasy gold, you'll have to fast forward to the end, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, um, been away for about six weeks since the last um, podcast that we did, which was before, I think, game week eight. So I think Eminem sums it up correctly. So I'm back, back again, and uh, here I am ready to uh, rip into this review. And look, it's not quite a third of the season, but you never get that with the Premier League. If it was 39 weeks, it would be absolutely perfect to do a third, 13, 26, 39, but uh, it doesn't work out that way. And it will be that uh, I think about the 65, 70-minute mark of uh, the game week next weekend, not this weekend, We'll see us at the halfway point of the uh, season, which is really, really strange. But that's the way it plays out. And um, it has been an interesting season to date with only, so far, one manager sacking. And that was Harvey Gracia at Watford, who they replaced with a former manager, uh, Kike Sanchez-Flores. And they've gone from a more attacking lineup to a more... Defensive lineup, and surprisingly, um, the Premier League this season has thrown up some incredible results. Um, and defenses seem to be quite loose this season with the amount of clean sheets, especially from a few sides um, that are near the top that you'd think would be have a lot of clean sheets, and they're actually down the bottom for clean sheets. So it's been a one of the most interesting seasons that I can remember on record with a lot of happenings and going-ons, and that's continued over this international break as well. Uh, so I'll break it down into a few things. We've got the title race, which I'll discuss. Then we've got the top six race, which I'll discuss. Mid-table madness is what I call it. And then the relegation dogfight. Uh, so I'll go through all of those um, areas. Um, I'll cover the surprise packets of the season so far. Uh, the goal scorer at the top five and who could win the golden boot from here. And then also um, the disappointments of the season. What sides have really disappointed um, so far this season? And then my prediction from here, which is always fraught with danger, uh, making predictions at the start of the season, then even making predictions a third of the way in can be fraught with danger. So uh, last year I think I had the golden boot, or one of the golden boot winners in Aubameyang, and I think I had two out of the top four. Couldn't quite, well, three out of the top four. Didn't quite do any better than that. And I definitely did not have the player of the season. Um, so it is extremely tough to predict these types of things. So be interested to see what I can come up with. And then I'll go into a bit of a fantasy review and a bit of a forecast going forward. Now, what teams and players can we target um, as we plan for the busy December, January period? And that is a tough period. The games come thick and fast. 
as do the rotations, which FPL managers absolutely hate, and myself, I'm one of them. So it is a time where it's not about – it's about putting the best side out in the park, but you need to ensure you've got bench cover, um, adequate bench cover in terms of playing bench cover to create points in case players do get rotated because it, it is a tough part of the season. So I'll be back in just a sec with the title race. All right, back with you for the title race. And it has been a phenomenal pace. Uh, Liverpool have set it and they've only dropped two points in the first 12 games. Uh, incredible, really. Uh, they went on an 18 game winning streak or 17 game winning streak, which was brought to halt by Man United at Old Trafford, surprisingly enough. Um, but unbeaten at home in 46 matches now. So Anfield really is a fortress, um, which was shown again with their um, win over Man City 3-1. Uh, it was well-deserved, but I must say it would have, wouldn't have have been unfair if Man City got a share of the points. And I know that seems strange coming from a Liverpool supporter, but... The chances they had on another day, Man City could have put away three or even four. Uh, it was quite an open game. It was an expansive game. Uh, obviously, there was the penalty, non-penalty decision against Trent Alexander-Arnold, which didn't go Manchester City's way. I can see why there are calls for it to be a penalty. I can see calls for it not to be a penalty. I'm in now, you're going to call me biased, that's fine, but I'm in the... I guess the agenda of it wasn't a penalty for the fact that it came off Bernardo Silva's arm before it reached Trent Alexander-Arnold, but both players had their arms in the same position. So if you hit Aguero, it's so hard and it's quick and then VAR is scrutinised the nth degree. But um, Michael Oliver was right there. He was on the spot. He made the call. Unfortunately, in that same motion, it went down the other end and Fabinho scored an absolute cracker from a poor um, EK Gundigan clearance. It has to be said, if you're going to clear that, you have to clear it in the air, not along the ground. Fabinho had time to pick it up, set himself, and perfect technique for a scorcher which set Liverpool on their way. And then obviously it was Trent. Uh, Alexander-Arnold's cross-field superb ball to Robinson, who then whipped in an equally superb ball for Salah, who had it home for 2-0. From that point, you sort of fear that it was going to be Liverpool's day, and it was. And it certainly has put the cat amongst the pigeons in the title race, um, with Liverpool eight points clear of Leicester City from Chelsea, and then Man City down in fourth on 25 points. Uh, Liverpool on 34 and Leicester and Chelsea both on 26. So Liverpool have probably been, and without playing probably at their absolute peak, but they've just been getting results and they've been getting them late. The Aston Villa game, 1-0 down, everything against them, even though possession, uh, shots on target, a Firmino armpit offside, again, VAR. Um Yet they kept pushing and pushing, and then Mane provides a superb ball for Robinson at the back post, and then Alexander-Arnold puts in a superb corner in the 94th minute, and Mane 
gets the perfect angle on the header and scores. So those types of wins, you start to feel that it could be Liverpool season, but there is a long way to go. And I uh, was watching uh, Glenn Hoddle and I think it's Dion Dublin and I think one of the analysis shows on Optus Sport, there are 78 points to play for yet. So there is a long, long way to go. It is not over by any stretch. And don't try and tell me that it is as a Liverpool supporter. It's my year after 30 years and this and that, and there's no way you could lose it. It is November, people. Let's just relax. Salah could be out for three to four weeks um, by the looks of it. Will squad rotation hit? The fixture list is coming thick and fast in December, including the World Club Cup, the Carabao Cup, with a fixture schedule that sees them maybe playing twenty within 24 to 48 hours, which Liverpool will probably put out their reserve side that won't be travelling to Qatar. So that will be the defining period is Christmas period. And not to mention, once I get back from Qatar, their fixture list includes Leicester away, Wolves, away. I'm going to say away, but it could be at home. Let me just check that. But, and then also Sheffield United after that. So it's not by any stretch definitely. I mean, they could lose something like a ridiculous amount of points. Wolves aren't an easy side to play. Leicester are absolutely flying and I mean flying. So you, you've got to be um, realistic that Liverpool may not be able to keep this pace for the rest of the season. Um, it, that certainly l- could be the case, but you just don't know. Uh, so it is Leicester away. Then it is Wolves at home, followed by... Sheffield United at home, all in the space of about six days after they get back from Qatar. So it could be a potential nightmare for Liverpool, then followed by Tottenham away. So four tough Premier League games all in a row, and then followed by Man United after that. So five fixtures after they get back from Qatar, actually make it six because then it's Wolves away as well. So make it six fixtures that could define their season in December, January. So... Let's just wait and see what happens because I tell you this much. It is now not a title race in two. It is a title race in four because Leicester's form has been incredible and they have the weapons to score, but they also have the weapons to defend. It is quite a balanced side from top, uh, from the top end as striker to the bottom end as goalkeeper. And you've got uh, Jamie Vardy in 2015-16 form, form, ahead of where he was on 11 goals, the leading goal scorer in the Premier League. You've got Madison supplying the balls, one of the most creative forces in the Premier League. You've got uh, Yuri Tillemans doing the same thing. You've got Harvey Barnes getting uh, forward, young, hungry. Um, You've got... um, who else? You've got Chilwell and Pereira down the wings, right wing, left wing, supplying balls. You've got Johnny Evans and uh, Sui Ayunku in defence, solid as a rock. And then you've got Schmeichel at the back as one of the premier goalkeepers in the Premier League. It's an extremely balanced squad. Not to mention you've got Ndidi and Kudri behind that, Damari Gray. So there's a bit of depth there. Also, you've got Wes Morgan, um, as defensive backup, you've got a very, very solid squad that Rogers 
has got something he never had at Liverpool, and that's a solid defence. But the attack in the midfield is probably as good as what he had at Liverpool, if not better. So they're in the mix. They're only eight points behind. And if Liverpool were to slip up, then Leicester is one that could take advantage. And due to their 9-0 win over Southampton, where they just put the hammer down, with their goal difference, that could be, make, make a massive play. You never know in this game. They could come away with a second title, which would be phenomenal. Um, and especially on the back of the tragedy last year to to the tie owner. Um Vichai. So don't rule Leicester out. And by all means, do not rule Chelsea out. Yes, defensively, they're a little bit all over the place at the moment. Once Rudiger comes back and perhaps Christensen as well, that may settle down. Though Tamori has been very, very solid. Um, Reese James has come out of nowhere. Um, obviously, Chelsea fans will know a lot about him. Uh, very exciting. Very um, much like Trent Alexander-Arnold in a way. Uh, bursting onto the scene, and he's taken your club captain's well, your club captain's position in as Plaquetta, and then in the left you've got Emerson and Alonso who can rotate, who are both equally very good, both Premier League proven. But then in the midfield you've got Jorginho who's stepped up a bit under Lampard. You've got Kante. Um, the forward line's quite dynamic and diverse. You've got William. You've got uh, Pedro. You've got uh, Pulisic, who has now started to find his feet at Premier League level and with that devastating hat-trick uh, a couple of weeks ago, you've got uh, Mason Mount, who's one of uh, Lampard's favourites. So you've got a bit of depth, you've got a bit of rotation, and you've got some youth and vibrancy around Chelsea. And perhaps this is the way going forward. They haven't bought big because they've had the transfer ban, but there's something to like about Chelsea under Lampard. Very feel-good factor there. I can see them staying in the top four. I don't know whether they can be part of the title race, but at the moment, on the same points as Leicester, they are. So let's see what they can do for the rest of the season. But their big test to see where they are at is to go into a place where they lost 6-0 last season, and that's going to the Etihad um, after this international break and seeing if they can reverse a terrible, terrible result, which saw them, um, I guess, crumble a bit last season. So that will be interesting. So it's all to play for. Then we've got Man City, and this is the lowest amount of points for a Pep side at this stage of the season. So Pep has very high standards. We've seen the cracks. We saw the sarcasm of thank you very much. We saw that he also denied that it was sarcasm. And then a day later, Manchester City lodged a formal complaint against the referee. So uh, Man City are on edge. Obviously, they've got their injuries. They've got uh, Americ Laporte out until at least probably January, February, which is their defensive rock. They're short on the backs. Jones is coming back to full fitness. He's a bit hit and miss. Fernandinho is obviously playing in a centre-back role that he's not used to. He's still doing an admirable job, but they'd no doubt want him in the middle of the park, not in the middle of the defence. Um, you've got rotation happening with Chancelo and Kyle Walker. Then Zinchenko's out, who'd probably be the favoured for left back at the moment, given Mendy's um, sort of return to fitness and sort of, I guess, easing him back into it and wanting to avoid injuries because he is such a crucial part of their lineup when he's fit. And then obviously Angelino's trying to find his feet in the Premier League as well. So it's not a happy sort of place. Then you've got um, Rodri trying to find his feet. Um, 
David Silva's now out injured for for a couple of weeks. Hopefully, he'll be back after the international break to settle him down a bit. But it hasn't been a happy, I guess, hasn't been the Manchester City that we're all become accustomed to. And then obviously Edison was out injured before the international, uh, before the Liverpool game midweek. So hopefully he'll be back after the international break as well. He provides a lot of stability to that defense, uh, defense in a time where their defense needs it. And Claudio Bravo, as good as he is, wasn't quite to the level that Edison can be. And perhaps on the third goal at Anfield with Mane's header, if Edison was there, does he save it? Question mark, maybe, maybe not, but we'll never know. So it's going to be interesting. Aguero has been good, but I wouldn't like he's been very good, but he hasn't been the Aguero of last season. Jesus has been a lot better than he has been last season, but even he's had been missing. Sterling's had great moments and then he's had poor moments, and one of his poor moments came in the international break. As I alluded to, um, Joe Gomez got in his face towards the end of the Liverpool City game. Sterling didn't like it and then carried on with it the following day or a uh, uh, couple of days after that when they met back in England camp and uh, there was a bit of a uh, confrontation and Raheem Sterling's been axed from the England squad. And, uh, yeah, um, Joe Gomez copped a fair bit of heat from the England fans and booed and whatnot, but Sterling came out in defense of that. So obviously it's the rivalry is definitely there. There's no disputing that. And it's probably a rival we haven't seen since maybe Manchester United Arsenal when Keane and Vieira were going at it. Um, and even uh, maybe Chelsea uh, and Man United when Mourinho was at Chelsea So and Ferguson was at Man United. So the rivalry is there. And, look, it, there's obviously respect between the two sides and the managers, but um, it does get a bit heated, and this obviously flowed over. So very, very interesting. So that sums up the title race. Do City have enough quality to get back in? And they, they've also got a big test against Chelsea because if they were to lose or draw and Liverpool go away to Palace and win, suddenly the lead becomes 10 points if... It's a draw, but if they manage to lose to Chelsea, all of a sudden it's 12 points. And you'd wonder if they could make back that sort of margin with the injuries they've got uh, and the form they've been in. So that would be it. That's why this Chelsea City game is going to be huge. Uh, And I can't wait, but I'll go through that next week. All right, so that rounds out the title race. Top six races, um, got a few surprises in there at the moment. So Sheffield United, one of the surprise packets of the season, definitely. Uh, They'll be uh, right. Uh, They're probably the Wolves of last season. Um, Played very solidly. No-nonsense sort of team. Uh, John Lundstrom, what an absolute star he's been for them. But it's all over the pitch. Their defense is solid with Dean Henderson as goalkeeper. Um, And it's just Chris Wilder has them playing for each other. And has them taking teams on. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they go against the lower sides in the league at the moment, because at the moment they've been they've played a lot of the top teams, got a few draws and a, and a few shock wins, but they've been able to sort of play on that sort of counter attack. So when they have to do the attacking and be on the front foot, how are they going to be? So we'll just have to see. They're in fifth. In sixth is Arsenal, and. It, 
there's a lot of conjecture around Arsenal at the moment. And Unai Emery has got a lot of pressure on him. Or Bamiyang's captain, but now they're not sure whether he should be captain because he talks a lot to Arsenal TV and not in a uh, not in a more in a derogatory way. Uh, Granite Xhaka had the um, booing and the telling the fans to um, get stuffed would be the nicest way of saying it. Um, so he got stripped of the captaincy. There's no leadership there. there. It's it seems like it's a sinking ship at the moment. They're not scoring goals. They're not looking like a happy side. At the start of the season, if you said to me that Leicester are playing Arsenal and Arsenal are going to be rank outsiders to win the game, I would have laughed. I would have said, no, surely not, even. But then they go there and it ends up being 2-0 to Leicester and the Arsenal board say they're happy with the result. And I just find that staggering. I just I just wonder how much time, you know, Emery Scott less left. They have said they're backing him. Uh, Ironically, the board have also come out and said that VAR is to blame for their horrible start to the season. I cannot buy that because it goes and swings and roundabouts. Um, Arsenal have had their worst start since 1982, believe it or not. So they're in a bit of trouble. Emery's in a bit of trouble. I don't know how they can turn it around, but they've got Southampton after the international break and they have to start turning around. Their only real shining light has been Aubameyang with the goals he scored. Um, probably Leto and goals has been very good, but he's had to save a lot. Um, and he's also let a few through, so that's to be expected. Uh, surprisingly, Man United back up into seventh, um, probably only on the back of a recent couple of wins with under uh, with Anthony Martial back and Rashford back. When, when Martial's back and leading the line, it allows Rashford to go out of the wing, and they just seem to gel. They have a connection, and Daniel James comes in on the back of that. And suddenly you've got a front three that's dangerous and definitely can hit sides with pace and, and on the counter-attack, as they did against Liverpool, uh, where they scored first and then they were able to sort of um, soak up the pressure from there. Um, defensively, they haven't been that bad, I must admit. They've been actually um, pretty decent. But, yeah, some results have been staggering, like going to Newcastle and losing 1-0. Um just, just not the results we'd expect. But then beating, say, Chelsea 4-0 on the opening day, which was a bit of a surprising result. So they're in seventh. Solskjaer's not out of the woods yet. Uh, he's still under a fair bit of pressure. But they're at least they're in the mix for top six and top four. Uh, Wolves are in eighth. And they had a pretty slow start to the season, but they're starting to come good now. A few good results. Jimenez in form. Matinho in form. Neves in form. Um, their defense is a bit shaky without Willy Bowley there. Um, but their midfield is definitely playing some really uh, decent football and uh, that's creating the goals for, for Jimenez and uh, Matinho's find the bullets. So we'll see if they can keep uh, climbing the ladder and um, producing similar results to last season. And Bournemouth in ninth, they've been reasonable, but you, you always wonder with Bournemouth whether they're going to sustain it. Um, they've got a decent defense with Acker and Cook and um, Rico in there. Uh, Ramsdale has been a revelation in goalkeeper. And then their midfield, Harry Wilson alone for Liverpool has been really, really good for them. Fraser's not been at the level of last season. Josh King's been really, really good. Callum Wilson in and out of form. You just hope that Bournemouth can sustain it. They're an exciting team to watch when they're on, um, but they can be vulnerable to a, to a heavy defeat. So we'll just see if they can sustain um, their spot in the top 10 heading into the other two-thirds of the season.
Mid-table madness. Now, there's some real shocks in here as to who's in here. Like, Burnley's in 10th. They're um, having a lot better season than what uh, than what they were last season when they were in the Europa League. And I think 10th is about right for them. Brighton in 11th, uh, playing a lot better football under Grant Potter and a lot more um, easy on the eye. And they've got a few good players in, in uh, Neil Morpai um, and Alzate. Uh, there's a little bit of more freshness about them. Um, Leandro Trossard as well. So they've got to be more creativity. So they're more of an attacking side than a defensive side, but they've still got that defensive hardness with um, Shane Duffy and Lewis Dunk and Matt Ryan, obviously, in superb form, as we saw last night with the um, Australia game. So Brighton doing well. Crystal Palace, uh, they've had some good results. 2-1 away win at uh, Old Trafford. Given the um, big sides some frights, uh, obviously came back from 2-0 down at the Emirates and drew to all, um, which, I mean, that's one of Arsenal's um, deficiencies. They just can't hold a lead. I think it was four games in a row where they had the lead and just couldn't hold it. Um but Jordan IU's been a great signing for them up front. A bit more pace and a bit more guy, a uh, bit more guile with um, Zaha as well. Townsend hasn't quite hit the heights, but he's I think he's been a bit in and out of form. But you know what you're going to get from Roy Hodgson's side. They're going to dig in, they're going to fight, and they're probably going to score on the counter attack. Mm, well, either they're going to score on the counter attack or they're going to win a penalty and score from the penalty. So it's going to be either one of two ways. And uh, they're in 12th. Newcastle in 13th. So they've had a bit of a um, revival over the last couple of weeks um, from Steve Bruce. And obviously that win against um, Man United was um, quite a savouring one for the ex-Man United player. Uh, And Matty Longstaff on debut with that absolute rocket. And uh, Newcastle, yeah, and they got a good win over Bournemouth last week as well. So maybe they're starting to just um, hold their feet in the Premier League now and they've moved away from that relegation zone for the time being. Probably one of the shocks of the season, Spurs in 14th. I don't know what more I can say about Spurs. They've got Harry Kane, they've got Huming Son, they've got Christian Eriksen, they've got Harry Winks, they've got Lamella, they've got uh, De Celso, they've got Mdombele, they've got Sissoko. Their defence should be one of the best in the league. Vertong and Ada Rowald. Um, they've had Lloris. Obviously, Lloris has been injured. They've got Gazaninga in now, who's a very able goalkeeper and probably on form, probably better than Lloris at the moment. Yet they cannot string string results together. They they went away to Everton. They looked horrible, got a one old draw. Obviously, there was that horrible injury to, um, to Gomez, but... Um, they just can't get results. It's staggering. And then last weekend, they were lucky to get a one-all draw with Sheffield United. Sheffield United should have won that game if it wasn't for VAR again, um, which is becoming one of the talking points of the season. I don't know how it turns around. I really don't. One minute, they're 4-0 away to Red Star Belgrade in the Champions League, and next minute, they're drawing one-all with Sheffield United. You just cannot get a read on Spurs at the moment. It's very frustrating, and it must be frustrating for their fans. I don't know whether Pochettino will last the season. If it keeps on going the way it's going, he's not going to. It's as simple as that. There's no other way to uh, sugarcoat it. And uh, they've probably been one of the very big disappointments of the season. Speaking of disappointments, we go from mid-table madness to relegation dogfight. And in 15th is Everton and Marco Silva. Again, they've spent money. And again, no result, uh, not much return. Very good win, though, against Southampton at Southampton. It's a tough win. It's a tough place to go. 
on the back of Richarlison uh, and Tom Davies. They did get the win. Maybe that can set their season up. Who knows? Because out of Pochentino, Emery, and Marco Silva, Marco Silva's probably the first one to go out of those three. And he has to start getting results. That started last weekend against Southampton. Let's see if they can get a bit of a run. But their fixtures ahead don't bode well for them. So it's going to be interesting. They're going to need to dig deep. West Ham, well, they've slipped. They started off very well. And they've slipped right off the face of the earth under Pellegrini. And he is under a world of pressure as well. He could also go. But Fabianski being injured has hurt their defense and hurt their style of play no end. They are shipping goals, probably worse than Norwich, which is a big comment to make. But Roberto and goals is just not a goalkeeper you want. I think it was on one of the shows that he looked like an outfield player is what was said, and I have to agree. You sh- you would be nervous every time the ball went in the box if you were a West Ham defender because you just don't know what's going to happen. And their 3-0 win at Burnley was the epitome of that. And they're not getting goals either, so the goals have dried up. So they're conceding goals and the goals have dried up. Sebastian Haller started very well for a foreign player, and then he's dried up. Lanzini's not getting the creativity he was getting early in the season. Yamalenko's dried up. So all of a sudden, all their outlets have dried up. And I'll tell you what, they're in dangerous territory because Fabianski's still out for a while and they might get themselves into a position they can't dig themselves out of. And that's going to be really, really interesting. Aston Villa, they are, they're in a position they really shouldn't be in. Their, their style of play is really, really good under Dean Smith. And John McGinn's been an absolute uh, star for them this season from set pieces, um, scoring goals, getting assists. Um, Wesley's been good without being spectacular. Grealish has really come on, but they just haven't got the results. So hopefully that turns for Villa um, because I do like how they play. And they were unlucky against um, my side Liverpool. So we'll just see how that goes. Watford, uh, very, very, uh, how do I put it? We're in a lot of trouble, but they may be starting to get themselves out of it. They've had five clean sheets, which surprisingly is top of the league with Leicester and Southampton. And they've drawn their last four and had four clean sheets out of the last five. So Sanchez Flores has been doing the business defensively. It's a matter of whether attacking-wise they can now get the return. So it'll be interesting to see how they go the next two-thirds of the season. Southampton could be in big trouble. They're not getting wins at home. They're getting losses, the huge loss to Leicester 9-0 was not what you want to see. It was a real capitulation and Hassan Hoodle was under real pressure to turn that around. And then Norwich, uh, Daniel Farker. Um, since their win over Manchester City, which was a huge shock and one of the results of the season, I must admit, Timu Puki's gone missing and the whole Norwich side has gone missing. I know they've got injuries defensively, I know they're struggling from that perspective, but they're going to struggle to get out of bottom now, uh, the way they've been playing. And what started off as what could have been a fairy tale season for them is going to turn into an absolute nightmare. And they've only got um, poor fixtures to come. So Norwich are going to have to work extremely hard after the international break to turn it around. All right, after this, it's the surprise packets, the goal scorers, predictions, the disappointments, and the fantasy review. All right, back again. So 
we've gone through uh, the season so far with the league table and their different sections and where all the sides are at. And I guess we'll focus now on I've picked out three surprise packets for the season uh, and I've picked out probably five disappointments. So the disappointments outweigh the surprise packets. So the surprise packets, and look, probably Leicester's not a surprise packet on the way they finished last season, but they still weren't expected to be where they are now, which is in the second position on the Premier League table. And from what I've always learned and from what I've always been told, the league table does not lie. So at the moment they are deservedly in second with the way they have played. Um, like I said before, uh, in the title race uh, talk. They're a well-balanced side all over the park. Their midfield, um, their attack, their defence. The the only issue you'd have is if the way they play and the way it's centred around Jamie Vardy to a degree is if Jamie Vardy was to go down injured. Can Ian Archer step in and be that player that, Vardy is, probably not. But they'd still have enough firepower around that to get enough goals, I think. Or whether you could shift Harvey Barnes further forward and put him in the Vardy role. Interesting. Um, but definitely the way they've played. And look, they've they've played a lot of the big sides. Like I said, they've beaten Arsenal 2-0. They did lose to Man United 1-0. And probably on the balance of play, they should have got something out of that game. Uh, they've Going to Liverpool and not being disgraced. They copped a late, late penalty um, and lost 2-1, but they put up a hell of a good fight. So against the best, they've been very good. And now you're starting to see what they can do with the fixtures ahead. They could easily be on the back of Liverpool's heels by Christmas. So... Definitely, for mine, one of the surprise packets. Sheffield United, though, has to be the surprise packet of the season so far. Under Chris Wilder, uh, superb record, superb manager. Got them playing for each other, um, which is a huge factor coming into the Premier League from the Championship. And they just seem to gel. There's not too many star players that you look at and you go, yeah, I'll have them in my side. They're just a hard-working side working-class side, and with McGoldrick, Shay Robinson, um, I haven't seen much of Billy Sharp, who was their talisman in the championship, but I'm sure his time will come. Uh, I've obviously got John Lundstrom, who all fantasy Premier League players will know because he's uh, been an absolute star for our fantasy sides. Um, their defence has been strong. Uh, Dean Henderson is goalkeeper on loan from Manchester United. Uh, has been brilliant, although they will be tested again after the international break because he will not be there uh, as he is on loan from Manchester United, so therefore will not play in that game. Uh, Ender Stevens, uh, Bulldog, names that don't mean much or have much fanfare like your Van Dykes, your Mateeps, Laportes, uh, even to an extent of your Rudigers uh, or Johnny Evans. But they're doing the job, they're doing the business, they're getting the results, and I think their fixtures start to turn towards December as well because uh, they've played a lot of the big sides again. They've, they're another side that's beaten Arsenal 1-0. Uh, 
Um, they've narrowly lost to Liverpool with a, yeah, a bit of a, a goalkeeper blunder by Henderson, but that happens. Um, so they're in a good position as well. So we'll see if they can push on and stay in the top half um, heading towards Christmas, New Year, and see if they can keep um, pushing for the top six even. Um, if they were to do that, that would be an incredible result, an incredible season. So, so far, they are a surprise back and indeed. And the other one is Chelsea. No one knew what to expect under Frank Lampard, but I've been very impressed. Derby were very good last season. He's brought the same sort of enthusiasm. Um, I think he has got the similar mindset to Mourinho, and obviously that's because he's been managed by Mourinho. But he's probably a bit more expansive and probably more similar to the way that he plays. And he's brought that into his um, into the way he manages his side. And they're quite free-flowing. I'm sure he'd like them to be more tighter at the back. That's probably their only concern. Um Definitely up front, he's given Tammy Abraham license to be himself, and that's proven to be a huge benefit to Chelsea. Mason Mounts provided assist and scored goals. Christian Pulisic is now scoring goals. Uh, William has been providing assists. Jorginho has been a lot more expansive with his range of passing and not as safe and has played a lot better than what he did last season. Could be just that he needed a season to adjust. And this, the, the heartening thing is they haven't really had N'Golo Kante for much of the season. So him coming back in will provide a huge benefit to their back line in definitely shielding the defence. So like I said in the title race, a uh, huge game ahead after the international break against Manchester City. And we'll see what uh, how far this Chelsea side has come. So they're the surprise packets. The disappointments. Now, this is <clears throat> this is a bit. Well, I mean, there's a few sides, and where do I start? I guess being in fourteenth after getting to a Champions League final and finishing the top four the last three, four seasons on end. To be in fourteenth now after twelve games, and with not much form or structure going forward. Spurs have to be the disappointment of the season, yet they're not copying all the heat. They seem to be escaping it, and I don't know how. Their players are fit. Obviously, there's been issues behind the scenes with Christian Eriksen wanting his move to Real Madrid, and that never materialised. Maybe that's unsettled them a bit, and there's a few other players as well, like Vertonghen and uh, Ada Wild were... I guess, angling for moves, um, which has probably unsettled their defence, which because they should really be a cornerstone of their defence. But Davison Sanchez has come in as well, and it just hasn't been a cohesive unit. And I don't know what Pochettino can do to turn it around. Other than the fact that he's started to bench Christian Eriksen, Vertonghen, and um, and Adewale to, I guess, show that he's willing to play the committed players that are committed to Spurs and those ones that are looking to go elsewhere because their contracts are running out at the end of the season, well, they're going to hang on the bench. So we'll, the, the most interesting period for Tottenham will be January to see what happens with transfers, who they might bring in and who might go. 
I don't know whether Pochettino is hanging out for that, but that seems to be what might happen. So Spurs are my major disappointment. Not far behind that are their North London rivals, Arsenal. I don't know what's going on there. It's it's to me, it seems to be all centered around Unai Emery and his either language barrier or his message is not getting across or he's just lost the players completely. I'm not too sure. I mean, they're in sixth and they're not that bad. And if any side was to turn around and hit top four from where they are, if they got rid of Emery, it would be Arsenal. Again, I mean, look, they have missed Lacazette for a few weeks, but they brought in Pepe, their huge, huge signing. Huge amount of money. Liverpool were interested, didn't go for him. And he has done nothing of note other than score a penalty. He's had flashes of brilliance, but his consistency and his uh, adaptability to the Premier League has just not been there. Um, Meza Ozil's been on the outer for most of the season. No one knows why. Other Look, the first couple of games, you can understand it. He had the run-in with that um, gang with Kalijniac. But after that, he's been fit and he's been there and he just hasn't been played. But now he's starting to be played, which seems to send a strange message to the lineup. Then you've had the Granite Jaka situation recently against Crystal Palace where he got taken off and he gave the fa- uh, the fans the bird and told them to F off in no us walk down the tunnel in disgrace and then said that he's been copying it um, from all the trolls online and it just became too much. And then he's been stripped of the captaincy and we haven't seen him since. Then Aubameyang's been made captain, but now he's been talking to Arsenal TV and not in the most sincerest of terms towards Arsenal. So there's problems there as well. There's no leadership. There's no direction. And the only thing that Arsenal can do to mend their season, from my point of view, and from a lot of Arsenal fans' point of view, from speaking to them, is to get rid of Emery. He was brought in to do a job. And look, we knew it was going to take time, but his record is pretty much on par with Arsene Wenger in his last season and a bit. And we all knew how that went down. So it hasn't got any better. It hasn't got remarkably worse, but I feel that they're in a worse position than what they were because at least the players were still playing for Wenger. Honestly, I don't see them playing for Emery at the moment. And the defence is woeful. They can't hold on to a lead. I mean, there was Crystal Palace. There was Liverpool in the Carabao Cup where they were three one up and then four one up. And against a pretty much a Liverpool U side who came out and drew five all and then won on penalties. Uh, and then it continued on from that against Wolves. Again, got in front, lost the lead. Then the Europa League before that, got in front, lost the lead. They can't hold a lead. The defence is porous. David Luiz is a liability. I could go on for days and days about Arsenal's problems, but I think it's better I stop there. Um, and hopefully they can turn it around with a win against Southampton after the international break, and maybe that might kickstart their season. But we'll wait with bated breath. West Ham. Started off really, really well, but the injury to Fabianski has just derailed them, and in a way I didn't see coming. I thought, you've got a backup keeper. Um <laughs> It is strange because they got rid of Adrian at the end of last season and he went on to play a starring role in Liverpool's first eight games. Didn't uh, Made one or two mistakes, but Liverpool were able to cover it. But you put Adrian into that or Adrian into that West Ham lineup right now and they've probably got a lot more solidarity about them and they're probably not in the position they are. But 
without Fabianski there and with their defence so uncertain, they just look like leaking goals. And the problem is that's created a domino effect on the rest of their side. Their midfield's not winning possession. It's not winning enough ball. It's not creating enough opportunities for the attack. So it's had a snowball effect. And all of a sudden, they're in a relegation fight that they didn't want to be in. <clears throat> and you, you have to think that if it doesn't turn around soon and it continues over the Christmas period, they're in a lot of trouble and they could go down. And not even one of the best managers in the Premier League could could change that. So West Ham are a big disappointment on the back of their last probably month and a bit. Everton have been a disappointment the whole season. Uh, they've been in and around the relegation zone. This is probably the highest they've been for a fair while. Um, don't know what it is with Everton. I don't know whether it's Marco Silva. I don't know whether it's the players. I don't know whether he's got the right players. I don't know whether he's got players that want to fight or whether he's got players that are front runners and when it when they fall behind, it's all too hard. I think one of the statistics um, with Everton is if they go behind, they don't win. Uh, that's staggering to me. Um, you're in the Premier League. You need to fight. But if, if they lose a lead or if they're not leading, um, they're not winning which is very, very strange. And unless that changes, they'll be in and around the relegation, um, the relegation zone for much of the season because uh, it's an up-down cycle with Everton and their, their fixtures ahead aren't great. But like I said, if they can turn it around, they've got good enough players that can score uh, and definitely the defence is not weak by any stretch of the imagination on paper. But... We all know that on paper is different to reality, and at the moment, Everton are where they belong, and that's not being biased at all. Um, Norwich. The fairy tale has turned into an absolute nightmare. The win over Man City, we thought, oh, wow. He, like Before that, we'd seen a few games where they'd played some really good attacking football. Timu Puki was in good form. Cantwell behind that, Buendia, we thought they've got some real attacking creative influence that can do well here and and play well in the Premier League and keep them up. And then after that Man City win, I don't know whether it was the Man City win itself, I don't know whether it was the injuries finally took its toll, I don't know whether it was the winter finally starting to set in. Maybe it's a combination of all of the above, but Norwich have gotten into a hole now that they will struggle to get out out of. I don't think Timo Puki has scored since six weeks ago. Norwich have struggled to score since then, but they've also struggled to keep a clean sheet. I think they've only kept one clean sheet the whole season, which was against Bournemouth. Um, good result, actually. It was against Bournemouth at home. So, um, But other than that, they've, they've just struggled for consistency in their defence. They've been too open. They haven't been able to play on the counter-attack as well. If you look at their best results, it's been against the attacking sides that attack. So Man City, even the Liverpool game, I mean, it was 4-1 in the opening round, but it could have easily been 2-2, 3-3 if Norwich had taken that opportunity. So against the bigger teams that tended to play better because they're allowed to play better, but against the smaller sides like your Burnley's, your Crystal Palaces, where it's a lot narrower, it's a lot tighter, they don't give you space on the ball, 
Norwich have been found out and they've been continued to be found out. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can fight their way out of it. And they're going to have to after the international break. There's no doubt about that. So they are the absolute disappointments of the season. So we'll finish there on that. The goal scorers for the season. Um, Leading the way is Jamie Vardy on 11, and he's had a fantastic season with the hat-trick, obviously against Southampton as well. Um, One player I forgot to mention at Leicester who's – Started off slowly, but really uh, gone into a real groove and started to gel with their lineup and take a while. Is Iwozi Perez, who joined from Newcastle for 30 mil, starting to really form a basis and with the midfield and the attackers, sort of like a link man in between, and um, gives them a real spark and, a, and also another avenue for goal. So just watch out for him on the back half of the season as well. Uh, Tammy Abraham's been superb for Chelsea, leading the way, leading the line with 10. Aguero is Aguero. Like I said, he's been very good, but I feel he could have been better. Uh, and obviously his Anfield hoodoo continued, whereby he just has not scored in 11 appearances at Anfield. There's some sort of voodoo curse there, but... On the flip side of that, every game at the Etihad, he scored against Liverpool. So it is a weird, weird statistic. Um, Aubameyang with eight, who's been Arsenal's main man up until probably the last month. And maybe it's with everything going down. Maybe it's the return of Lacazette, who was out injured before that. But his goal scoring's just dried up a little bit. And then Sadio Mane and Raheem Sterling, both um, catalysts in their respective teams' fortunes for Liverpool and City, round out the top five with seven goals. And then just behind that, you've got the likes of uh, uh, Salah, I think, is on six. And uh, there's a few others that are sort of in that uh, mix on six just um, behind. So it's anyone's for the golden boot, but if I was to back with what's going on right now, it would be... Um, easily it would be Jamie Vardy from just the way that um, Leicester are playing. I just think he's looking like the 2015-16 Jamie Vardy. And if I was going to back anyone, it would be him. So, yeah, on six goals, yeah. So Pookie's really dried up. So he had six goals and was leading the way at about game week six. But um, that's about it. So on six goals, you've got Pookie. You've got Kane, who's been okay, but he's been symptomatic of Spurs' problems. He'd probably have 10 or 11 goals by now. Uh, Marcus Rashford's been uh, hit and miss, but with Martial back, he started to hit the goals again, and obviously Salah was the other one. So, And then from Barnes, Ings, Jimenez starting to find form, Pulisic, Bernardo Silva, Callum Wilson, who had a good spell early on. Chris Wood, who started fine form, all on five, and that sort of rounds out your, your top ten. Um, and assists, De Bruyne's head and shoulders above everyone else on nine, and then there's Harvey Barnes on four, Bwendi on four, McNeil on four, Robertson on four, Silver on David Silver on four, that is, and then Alexander-Arnold, Firmino, Willian, Chilwell, Digne, El Ghazi, Grealish, uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi. 
interesting on three. Mares, Martial, so yeah, that's just a host on three. Tillemans, Son, Matinho, Salah, Rashford, Eric Peters, Felipe Anderson. So um, a very host of uh, assist um, makers on that list. So after this, that's sort of the season review done, and we'll get into some uh, fantasy uh, aspects um, in the last part of the episode. Okay, FPL time, and this is a time that I'm excited about. Um, been four weeks since we spoke, so I was doing okay back then. Um, sitting in 253,000, and then decided to... Uh, Activate the uh, wild card. So activated. So no, actually, it would have been game week seven. So four hundred eighty-one thousand. So since then, I've had five green arrows. Uh, so I've moved from four hundred eighty-one thousand into fifty to inside the top fifty-seven thousand on fifty-six thousand nine hundred fourteen. So I've moved four hundred thirty thousand spots in five weeks. So I'm pretty happy about that, and I've had some really really good weeks. So I'm a wild card week. Uh, I got 50 the week before my wildcard week, and then I got 39, which wasn't wasn't great. But, uh, you know, uh, it was a pretty poor week that week, so you take it. And then it was a 71. The last three weeks, I've had 71, 73, 77, and that's where I've really seen the move into the top 100,000 over the last two weeks. And my team value has gone up from... 101.2 when you last uh, would have heard from me to 103, and uh, it was a successful use of the wild card. So hopefully um, that upward uh, trend continues, and I can keep um, keep moving up the ladder. So I guess crucial in that was that I saw the fixtures that Leicester had, and I took advantage of it, and I got Vardy in. I got Madison. Well, I only just recently got Madison in, but I got Vardy and I got Pereira. Um, and I guess it was um, the fact that I brought in Rico as well, who's been solid. I brought in Mane. I dropped Salah. I brought in De Bruyne. I dropped Sterling, but I was able to bring in um, – I did bring in Callum Wilson, which was a bit of a letdown, and I've since got rid of him and rectified that. Um, I kept McGinn and I kept Mount. I had a fairly good basis of a lineup. Um, but, yeah, from game week eight to game week nine, like I sort of got rid of Heaton and brought in Patricio. Um, I got rid of Dendonka. Um, I got rid of Mings and brought in Pereira and um, uh, Rico. Um and yeah, just a just a few changes that um, ended up working out well. Got rid of Salah, where I haven't looked back. Salah to Mane. I got rid of Sterling to De Bruyne. I kept McGinn for that one week. Um, I got rid of Aguero and brought in um, Vardy. Got rid of Ayu and brought in Wilson, which, like I said, didn't work. But you know that that's sort of the way it goes. Um, and yeah, it was just a. Um, it was a good decision to do the wild card when I did, and it's ended up playing in my favour. Uh, the next week, I got rid of um, Tamori and brought in Kelly, and then I brought in David Silver for McGinn, which ended up being a shrewd move. 
Um, but I think Vardy was the best one because I was able to capitalise on that 9-0 game where a lot of people didn't have him. And then obviously after that, a lot of people have and he's gone up from 9 mil to 9.6 now. So that that was really, really solid. Um, and just the right decisions at the right time. The only thing is if I could get the captain right, that would be uh, even better, which I've sort of struggled with. Uh, and then I got rid of Then I think I held my transfers. Yeah, I held my transfers for two weeks. And then I got rid of uh, three players. I managed to bring in Madison, Ward Prowse, and Jimenez. And I got rid of Callum Wilson, um, David Silver, because he was injured, and Mason Mount. There was a potential for him to be injured, but he ended up playing that week. But um, then Man City after that. So I thought I'd buy the bullet and got in Madison, which worked out a treat. And. Uh, I've already made my transfers for this week. So I've got rid of um, already got rid of who was it? So I've brought in Soyunku for Pereira and upgraded Gwendozi for Martial. That way giving me a five-man midfield where Ward Prowse is the fifth midfielder which I think will be quite strong, especially they've got uh, Watford and Norwich coming up at home. And Martial, Sheffield United away, but then they've got some really good home fixtures, which um, I think will play into his hands and especially playing as a number nine. Um, So he's got Sheffield United away, but then they've got Aston Villa and Tottenham at home. And with Tottenham's defence, Martial could exploit that. Man City away, I may bench him. But again, Man City's defence is nothing to write home about. And then they've got Everton at home, Watford away, Newcastle home, Burnley away. So November, December is not too bad for Man United. So Martial is a good investment. And if you don't have Martial and you're looking to upgrade your forward line, Rashford would be the other one I'd, I'd recommend. Um, so yeah, I, I took, I took the bit of a hit last week, but it ended up working in my favor getting in, um, those three guys. And then this week I, I'm taking a hit again, but I felt it necessary to get in, uh, Martial and, um, and, uh, who was the other one? So Yunku. So I just felt that Pereira to Soyunku, there's not much difference between them points-wise. And Soyunku, since I brought in Pereira, has actually outscored Pereira. So therefore, I did get rid of Soyunku at the wild card, but I'm happy to admit I made a mistake and bring him back. So that's the situation of play with how I'm going and hopefully um, you're going all right as well. So some forms, some, so some teams and players to target. So... After this week, Crystal Palace really are a side you want to look at. So they've got Liverpool at home this week. But then after that, they've got Burnley away and then their home games are really, really strong. So they've got Bournemouth at home, Watford away, Brighton at home, Newcastle away, and then over Christmas, and this is what's most crucial, West Ham at home, Southampton away, Norwich away, but all a lot of twos in that mix before it gets hairy for them where they've got Arsenal and Man City home and away. But then again, they've got a lot of green after that. So Crystal Palace could be the team you want to look at. Um, defensively with Van Harnold and Martin Kelly uh, in midfield with Milhavich. If they get 
penalties, then he's going to score them. And then obviously up front, IU at 5.1 is a steal and he has been scoring goals. So he, the Crystal Palace is definitely an option. Uh, Wolves obviously have good fixtures. That's why I've got on uh, Jimenez and I've got Rui Patricio as well. Um, so they've got Bournemouth away, Sheffield United home, West Ham home, Brighton away. Tottenham at home, although it's rated a four, it is at home. So Wolves will be more than up for that. Norwich away. And then they've got a bit of a tough this, uh, Christmas period where they've got Man City home and Liverpool away. But uh, Wolves definitely over November and December. Uh, another side to look at, Chelsea... Their fixtures are generally good apart from Man City this week. West Ham at home, Aston Villa home, Everton away, Bournemouth home before their Christmas is a little bit um, a little bit of a tough one where they've got Tottenham away, Southampton home and Arsenal away. And then they've got a couple of more twos, but then there's a run in January, February that you'd want to avoid where they've got Arsenal, Leicester, Man United, Tottenham all in succession. So they've got good fixtures. Obviously, Liverpool have had um, extremely tough fixtures up until now and they've managed to come through it and now you'd have to, you'd, you'd almost want to go a triple, but you'd want at least two. And you've got Crystal Palace away, Brighton home, Everton home, Bournemouth away, Watford home. Now, just remember, they have got the Club World Cup, so you'd want to avoid... Game week 18 and make sure you've got cover as they won't be playing game week 18. They will have a double game week later, but at this stage, you want to avoid game week 18, uh, having too many Liverpool players. So the next five are really, really good. But after that, you've got the club, um, you got the club world cup. So they missed that. And then you've got Leicester away, Wolves home, Sheffield United home, Tottenham away, Men United home, Wolves away. So those six fixtures I talked about before are quite tough. Um, the other one that, like I said, Southampton, um, their fixtures, so they've got Arsenal away, but then the next five are very, very good. So Watford home, then Norwich home, both in succession, then Newcastle away, then West Ham home, Aston Villa away. Those five fixtures leading up to Christmas are as good as it gets. So the likes of Danny Ings, James Ward-Prowse, now they've scored the last 17 goals for Southampton or have been part of the last 17 goals, one of those statistics. And after that, Chelsea would probably be still have good fixtures. Yeah, West Ham, Aston Villa. Yeah, like I said, yeah, Chelsea did have good fixtures. I have said that. But there was another side that's got good fixtures. I think it's Sheffield United. So Sheffield United and Lundstrom has been a main part of that at 4.9 now after starting the season at four. Incredible. So after Man United and Wolves, so they've got Man United at home and then Wolves away. In December, it is extremely good. It's Newcastle home, Norwich away, Aston Villa home, Brighton away, Watford home. So they play Watford and Norwich and Aston Villa and Newcastle all in that run. Then it gets a bit hairy after that. Then you'd probably want to bench Lundstrom probably uh, as I won't go through the fixtures, but it gets as hard as it gets. Uh, the next two after that six is uh, Man City away and Liverpool away. Um, so Sheffield United. So there's a few good teams you'd want to target. There's also, as much as we think that Man City's fixture-proof, their run is not that great. 
leading up to December, and then it gets better after that. So you've got Chelsea at home this week, then Newcastle away, which won't be easy, Burnley away, which won't be easy, Man United at home, Arsenal away, Leicester home, Wolves away. So it's not an enticing run if you've got Man City assets. I'd probably be inclined that you'd run with one or two, but not any more than that. I, I wouldn't want to go any more than that. Um, and the other one who did have good fixtures, but their, their form's horrible, is Arsenal. Um, the next four are really, really good, but can you trust their form? If you've got Aubameyang, I think you hold on to him and hope for the best. But if you're looking at any other assets, I wouldn't bother. It's Southampton at home, Norwich away, Brighton at home, West Ham away. If they don't perform in those four, it's diabolical after that. And that's where Emery could be in a lot of trouble if he doesn't get results. And that's where your midfield, you're sort of going to be struggling to to look at. Um, Leicester. Yeah, you've got to love that. There's... There's no better than that. Brighton away, Everton home, Watford home, Aston Villa away, Norwich home before Man City and Liverpool. So the next five for Leicester are pretty much as good as it gets. And if you haven't tripled up in Leicester, I suggest you do. And the way you do it is probably you'd go one in um, attack, Vardy, one in midfield, either Tillemans, Barnes, Perez or Madison, and then one in defence, either Pereira, Sunyunku or Chilwell. Um, or if you wanted to keep a solid keeper, then Schmeichel. Um, but I'd suggest one across the lines. Although if you're brave, you could go one in attack and two in midfield and double up on a Tillemans Perez, as I've seen plenty do, or a Tillemans and Madison. Um, but definitely this year, it's been more of your mid-priced players that are delivering the points rather than your most expensive forward assets and most expensive uh, midfield assets. But, um, yeah, Vardy is the uh, premium FPL player and leading the way at the moment with uh, a huge 92 points already. And his ownership has jumped up to 35%. I think when I got him, he had 12% ownership. So you can see how much has already changed and why he's up to 9.6 from 9 mil. So, yeah. if you haven't got him, I'd suggest you get him. He's not far behind Abraham now, whose ownership's up to, wow, 50.5%, and he's got 81 points. So they're sort of uh, the two um, that are leading the way ownership-wise. And Mane's jumped up to 35% as well and moved up from 11.5 to 12.1, and he's on 83 points. So those are sort of the three, um, I guess, plays you want. Um, De Bruyne is not far behind that. He's almost owned by 40% and on 76 points. And then <laughs> Lundstrom, the star of the FPL season so far, on 70 points at a price of 4.9. And I still find it staggering. He's only owned by 42% and not higher given his price and given what he's achieved so far. As a midfielder, that is quite attacking. But in a defensive role, you cannot get a better FPL asset than that. All right, that's going to bring us to the end of this huge uh, third season review and fantasy review. Um, Look forward to uh, bringing you the uh, Premier League preview next week and a little bit of a a fantasy um, aspect to it as well. 
Um, and this podcast is available on all your um, podcast um, platforms, Anchor, CastBox, Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, which is iTunes. And, of course, you can find me on um, Facebook, The Sporting One, Twitter, one underscore sporting, and Instagram at The Sporting One. And for all your podcasts, go to uh, – for your podcast needs, go to Podcast Central on Facebook. And there are a lot of good other podcasts on there as well as mine. So, uh Enjoy the international break where there's not much on and uh, we'll get cracking into it next week with a uh, preview of game week 13 and that will be definitely over a third of the season gone. All right, have a good weekend, guys. Cheers, Spotty One.